One of the things that we like to do here at Calvary Chapel is just teach through the Bible. And I love it, you know, because I don't get to choose what to teach. I just keep teaching through the Bible. And so you get the full counsel of God. But in light of what's going on in Syria today, uh, these days, I, I felt, I just sensed, I have a responsibility uh, to address this because this is big, what's going on in our world. You know, I remember a while back, um, by the grace of God, my wife and I and my children, we were allowed to go to Hawaii. It was, it was hard, but we were blessed. <laughs> and I remember, though, going to the airport and, uh, you know, we're having a good time and whatever, we're talking and probably eating and having a cup of coffee and stuff. And, and I don't know how this happened, but next thing you know, we heard on the, on the speaker in the airport, the loudspeaker, Final call for the Coronia family. And my wife and I looked at each other and we're like, what? What's going on? I guess we were, we were that close to missing our plane to Hawaii. So you know what we were doing? We ran. We were running, man. I don't know if you've seen the commercial, but you know what I'm talking about. We were running. We barely made it on the plane. We almost missed it. And, and I want to tell you something, man. Jesus is coming. And in one sense, there's like a final call. A will you, is there an urgency in your life to run to him, to come to him? Not just in your head, but in your heart, where a relationship with him is real. Because if not, you will miss, not just the plane, you will miss life. You see, that's what he offers to us. And and, and so what's going on here in Syria, these, are, these, I believe, are signs. Now, one thing I want to tell you guys is I'm not, well, I am weird, but I'm not that weird, okay? You know, some guys are saying, hey, Jesus is coming. I'll put up a, 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 whatever, a billboard, and they'll give you a date and stuff like that. No man knows the day or the hour. For all we know, it could be another thousand years. Because with God, the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, one day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day, and so uh, we don't know the day or the hour, but the Bible does say we, we know the seasons. And it just seems like everything is lining up. You know, I was thinking of this passage here in Matthew 16. Notice what it says in verse 1. It says, Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. Well, he answered and said to them, When it is evening, you will say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. And so, you know, when it comes to, like, the final, like, sign, as far as whether or not Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, well, we know he is because there's no one like him because no one died and rose again. Muhammad's still dead, Buddha, no disrespect, but there is no one like Jesus. Everyone is free to believe what they want to believe. And we love everybody. We will not cram this down anyone's throat. We respect everyone. But there is no one like Jesus. 
Because he died and rose again. So for us, in looking at this, Jesus is talking to these guys and you know he, he tells them, you guys are, are kind of weird because you're able to look out at the sky and you're able to predict to a certain extent the future day. How's it going to be? Should I dress with you know, tank top, shorts, jacket? It, you know, you look out and you're like, well, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good night. You kind of are able to discern the weather in that sense. We look out, we step out, we look up, we look at the news. Maybe how many of you here have a weather app? Well, you look on your phone, you're like, okay, 73 today, you know, praise God, right? You know, fair weather, foul weather, near um, threatening. And then the Lord says, you're able to do that. But here are these signs in your face. And you're not able to discern what's going on. I mean, imagine what it would have been like to be there in those days with Jesus. I mean, how, how, how awesome that must have been, and it's just so evident, and he's doing all these wonders, and he's sharing all these wonderful words. I mean, you guys, you know, to see that, you know, and the Lord is saying to us, I think to a certain extent, you know, that we have to be able to see the signs of what God is doing. And so, you know, with that said, uh, in light of recent events in Syria, I really sense the Lord leading us to look at how these events, these signs of the times indicate to us what very well might be the eminent, the very soon return of the Lord. You know, Jesus said in Luke 21, 28, now when these things begin to happen, he said, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. And so he said, when all these signs begin to happen, I want you guys to look up because I'm coming, right? And so you might ask, well, what things does Jesus speaking of? And if you look at, look at Luke 21.9, he spoke of nations rising up against nation in verse 10 as well. Kingdom against kingdom. He spoke of wars and rumors of wars. You know, when we get to chapter 13 of Mark in our study, we're going to see the other signs that are becoming more and more significant. Basically, what we see with the earthquakes, the pestilences, the famines, all these types of things is that they are increasing in frequency and intensity, like a woman giving birth, right? And so when we look at what's going on now in Syria and Russia and Iran, you know, we see the signs. You know, I, I really sense that I had to share this message with you because the last thing in the world I want to do as a pastor is ignore things that are so significant that can possibly be God communicating to us, kind of even turning up the volume that he's coming. I just want you guys to be ready, right? That's all that matters. I, I think of that passage in James chapter 5 and verse 9 where it says, Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And so, you know, Jesus is standing at the door. Are you ready? Are you ready? Like if you were to come now, are we ready? Uh, are we ready for the judge? You know, I was driving the other day with my son Aaron as a passenger, and uh, I almost had a heart attack when I was driving, man. You want to know why? Because he yelled. He yelled. And he said really loud, Dad, watch out. And I guess what had happened when I was driving, I was, I was looking at some things going on over here at the, uh, the park or whatever, man. I had taken my eyes off the road, but he yelled, Dad, watch out. And so you know what I did? I slammed on the brakes, 
and I avoided what could have been a fatal car accident because I was speeding too at that time. And so, <laughs> pray for me, man. That's why I don't have a bumper sticker on my car. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, but you know, I mean, you know, what did that do? I had taken my eyes off the road, and man, by the grace of God, somebody cranked up the volume. They warned me and maybe saved me. And that's kind of how it works, you guys. Maybe as a result of today's study where God is trying to warn, God is trying to inform that lives will be saved. You know, those of us who are already Christians, we're going to be reminded to keep our eyes on the Lord and to watch for his imminent return because when he returns, this is what he said, when I return, I want you to be watching and I want you to be working. We always go back to that. What's our mission in life? What has God called us to do? Not what have you called yourself to do. Because when he returns, we want to be doing his work, which I believe always brings glory to God and good to people. And so, you know, this is the, the, the things uh, we see that he's coming soon, so we need to be ready. You know, because what we see going in Syria, going on in Syria is serious. Most of you know that the nation of Syria has been involved in this raging civil war for the past six years. And then last Tuesday, Syrian forces under the leadership of their president, Bashar al-Assad, dropped chemical weapons upon their own civilians. It's a nerve gas known as sarin, and killing over 80 people, most of whom were women and children. And so what this internationally banned nerve agent ultimately does is it causes paralysis of the muscles, which then leads to suffocation because their lungs, they can't breathe. And they die anywhere from one to 10 minutes. Those who don't receive a lethal dose uh, oftentimes suffer permanent neurological damage. And so it's a horrible weapon in the hands of a horrible man. And uh, you guys, I'm sure, know that this president of Syria has used such weapons, including chlorine, phosphorus, sarin, other gases, over 140 times on his people. One time, it was August 21st, the year 2013, 1,500 civilians were killed and 5,000 injured. And so he struck again last Tuesday, right? And I'm sure you guys have seen this. These are the top news stories, right? And so in response to the chemical warfare Syria, which in and of itself is banned by international law, just you can't even do it on your enemies, but here's a man doing it on his own people, President Trump, who was previously opposed to this type of involvement, was moved in such a way that the United States launched nearly five dozen cruise missiles at a Syrian airfield early Friday, and uh, it's the first such involvement on in our part since this war began. And one of the things you'll find in the Bible is that God will put hooks. He puts hooks in nations' jaws to draw them in. President Trump didn't want to do that. But with see, seeing what's going on, he did. Because God's on the throne. We're going to see later, God's going to put a hook in Russia to bring them into Israel's land, right? 59 Tomahawk missiles targeted that air base there. Airstrips, hangars, control towers, ammunition areas. And you guys know this, and we got to know this as, as Americans, 
that this might just be the beginning of our involvement. We don't know. We don't know the details yet. But it seems like these things are stirring up. Now, um, most nations support what we've done, but there's also some who don't. Like, for example, North Korea, right, who called the U.S. strikes an unforgivable act of aggression and said that our actions showed that they were right in their decision to continue to develop nuclear weapons. And so uh, North Korea, as you probably know, considers Syria a key ally. And so here's the thing, uh, again, just in case you guys uh, weren't up on that, North Korea is developing these nuclear weapons and missiles that are capable of reaching our land, and they continue to defy any UN sanctions. And so, um, North Korea, um, enemy, all right? They're not the only ones. There's a, a couple of other nations that are very outspoken in their opposition to what we've done, and the, those are the ones that I want to focus some more on because that's what the Bible focuses more on, and that is Russia and Iran. And because what we find, and we see this uh, so clearly, you guys know me, I don't do stuff like this, I'm not sensationalistic, I'm not, well, I am weird, but not that weird. Um, you know, um, but we gotta be, we gotta know what the Bible teaches in Ezekiel 38 and 39, how, how, how the Bible says that Russia, that Russian, uh, Russian-led coalition and it mentions, interesting, the prince of Rosh, the prince of Russia. For some reason, it seems like the, the, there's a significant leader in Russia, the Bible says. Well, if it were to happen today, I know who it is, right? It's Putin. The prince of Rosh. And the other area right there where former Soviet Union, and then he mentions Persia, which is Iran, they, they go together and they invade Israel, Right? The Bible says that that's going to happen in Ezekiel 38, 1 through 5, and then in Ezekiel 38, verse 16, it says that it's going to take place in the latter days, in the last days, right? In the last of the last days that this will happen. And so, you know, students of prophecy and I think even of life, you know, when we look at those things, we're not like just waiting for it to happen. Uh, we practice prudence and we look ahead and we see how things are lining up. And, uh, and, and what, we're, what we're doing is basically just saying that the Lord is coming soon. Are we ready? You know, someone might wonder, well, I, okay, I understand, you know, Russia and Syria, and we did this, and they're doing that, and they're sending a, a warship into the Mediterranean directed towards us, and I see all that kind of stuff. But what is that, how does that, why would Russia invade Israel? Okay, how many hours do you have? We can get into this now. I mean, there are so many reasons. One is oil. Oil, right? I mean, they're still working on the process of extracting it, but it is believed that Israel has more oil than Saudi Arabia. That's, that's common news. Everyone knows that. Oil, oil. I mean, the black gold of the Middle East, that's what's drawing everyone back there in the last of the last days. Just recently, Israel agreed on a preliminary deal that would construct the world's longest and deepest underwater pipeline in the world that would give it access to Italy and the rest of the European natural gas market. And so the reason Russia is not happy about that 
is because they've enjoyed the financial benefits of having one of the only significant overland gas supply lines into Europe. And so they don't like the competition from Israel and they would love to have the oil of Israel, right? So that's one reason. Another reason is this. I mean, in one sense, you can almost say that Russia is best friends with Iran. I mean, you know, Iran and Russia, they're allies, and the public agenda of Iran, everyone knows it, is to wipe Israel off the face of the map. Right? I mean, it's not a secret. And so here's Russia and here's Iran, they're going together. I mean, why is Russia so involved in this war in Syria? Which just happens to be, they're adjacent to Israel on the northeast border. Why is Russia so interested in Syria? What, you know, when it first started in 2011, they're supplying them weapons, but now in 2015, they go in. They get personally involved. They are there in the thick of things. And it's such a complex situation because you have a, a president who's fighting ISIS, who's fighting multiple groups. I mean, it's just, an, it's just a mess. Things are stirring up. You got to take your head out of the sand and you have to see what's going on. Why would the Lord prophesy to us? Why would he tell us ahead of time that Russia and Iran would invade Israel? Why? So that when we see these things about to happen, that we would kind of like there would be an awakening and that we would rise up, man, and we would serve the Lord. You know, Russia, even Russia itself, and you guys know this, right? The, the rise of Islam within Russia. I don't know if you know this, but Islam is just exploding in Russia. Uh, They're trying to limit it to the opening of four mosques a day, but even that is not enough. I mean, they have people, uh, Muslims, again, that's fine, freedom of religion, but I just, just got to know that they, uh, they're, they're praying in the streets. It is just exploding. So we know, um, and it's an interesting thing when you look at wars and rumors of wars and, and nation rising up against nation. The Greek word is ethnos. It speaks about ethnicities. And then kingdom against kingdom. Now that's an interesting thing because in one sense you can almost say religion against religion. How many wars are because of religion? And you have Islam. And the, what, how do they feel about Israel? They're the little Satan. America's the big Satan. How do they feel about Judaism? How do they feel about Christianity? You're like, oh, well, that's only the radical Muslims. No, it's the conservative Muslims. It's 10% which is enough to create this type of thing. You see, Russia has many reasons to go in to Israel. Oil, their friendship with Iran, the growing Muslim influence within even their own nation, and just the very fact that we're friends with Israel, especially now, right? Under President Trump, unlike the previous administration, we're close allies once again. And I thank God for that. I think God's going to bless our nation as a result of that. But as tension builds up between us and Russia in light of Syria, to again, where they're sending warships in our direction, on our location in the Mediterranean Sea, I think we need to see these as signs of the times. You know, the Bible says that they're going to come from the north in Ezekiel 38, verse 6, and 15, and 39, verse 2. And so, I don't know. You know, 
Again, I mean, Jesus might come back before I finish this sentence that I'm talking right now, that I'm just about to finish. No, I mean, we can come back at any time. He may, it may be 10 years, 15 years, 2 years, 100 years, 1,000 years. We don't know. But I, I just, I think, like the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, that when you see all these things beginning to line up, the rise of the European community, the microchip. I mean, you go on YouTube and you look up Dr. Oz, okay? He's not a Christian. Dr. Oz, and look up his little thing about the microchip that can be inserted into the wrist so you can buy and sell. Just like the Bible says in Revelation chapter 13. All I'm saying, you guys, try not to be weird. I don't want to freak you out or anything. I'm just saying, you know, notice these things. And, and begin to study Ezekiel 36 and 37 and 38 and 39. And, and you'll, you'll see, man, that these things, they're, they're coming to pass. It wasn't that long ago, 1991. It was the, the collapse of the Soviet Union. Right, And we thought they were done. We thought, oh, Russia is never going to become a, a world power again, that they're obsolete. But, you know, nations rise up, like the Bible says, right? And if you go back a little farther, it wasn't that long ago when Israel wasn't even a nation. In the year 70 AD, the general Titus from Rome, he came, he wiped them out. They didn't have a nation, they didn't have a land for close to 2,000 years. But then the Bible says that in the last days, they would become a nation again. The most amazing prophecy, 1948, May 14th, they became a nation once again. And the, uh, the declaration there in the United Nations and then in our Oval Office, that Israel became a nation once again. You see, in Ezekiel 36 and 37, God says, I'll revive the dead bones. I'll bring them back to life again. If you read that chapter, and I, and I do encourage you to read it, in the chapter, God says that when I make Israel a nation again, I am going to bring them back from all around the world where I've scattered them. They're going to come back into the land from all over the world, and it's exactly what happened, how God would then bless their land. You know, one guy, David Jeremiah, he said, never before had a decimated people managed to return their individual identity through almost 20 centuries and reestablish their nation in their original homeland. When you read the Bible, you know, you see all these people groups, the Edomites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, um, they're out of sight. I mean, they're gone, right? How about the Israelites? They're still there. God has preserved them. Even after 2,000 years not having a land, they maintained their identity and they're back. Now, when they first were reestablished in 1948, there was only 908,000 Jews in Israel. Uh, today, there are 8.6 million Jews in Israel. And that, believe me, it wasn't all of them having babies, okay? <laughs> I mean, they just came, they came from everywhere just like the Bible says. You see, Ezekiel 36 and 37 have been fulfilled. Ezekiel 38 and 39 is what's next. And what is that? That's the invasion of Israel from Russia, Iran, and we're going to see now God using Syria. Now, I, I say all that to you guys. I don't know how it makes you feel. Um, some are like mockers, um, 2 Peter 3, you read that later, and it talks about how they'll be like, ah, that's all right, it's just going to continue. Ain't no thing but chicken wing. That's what people say, right? 
Um, but uh, 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 some, they even get a little scared. I don't know. Is it possible? I don't know what. I'm just going to throw it out there because um, you guys are paying attention today, and I'll give you. What if North Korea decides to shoot something in our direction? Is that possible? They do have a stable leader, though. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> the guy's crazy, man. He kills everybody. Is the Lord lining things up? I mean, you know, anything can happen in life. Bottom line is, you guys know our life is a vapor. I mean, none of us has tomorrow guaranteed. We always have to be ready. But when we see these things lining up, even more so, you know, please remember, Bible prophecy has not been given to scare us, but to prepare us. And we can better prepare as we're more aware of these things, and we can be, as Christians, more prepared because we just simply know what the Bible says. There's a, a cool passage in First Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's turn there real quick. In 1 Thessalonians 5, in verse 4, it says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You know, it's, like, it's not like a thief breaking in when you weren't expected. No, you were, like, you were ready. He says, You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Why? Because we're Christians. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. You know, basically, when you realize that, you know, the Lord's coming, it just changes your life. And you fall in love with God. You, you realize that the things that perhaps you're pursuing in life that you know are not eternal, they're, they're trivial, they're actually sometimes counterproductive to what God wants to do. I mean, they're, they're out of the way, they're done. Why? Because you know the Lord's coming. I mean, if you're a Christian, you know that Jesus is coming again and the world we know it as now will end one day, Right? We don't know when that day will come. According to Matthew 25, 13, no one knows the day or the hour. But we do know the season. How many of you here celebrate Christmas? Just out of curiosity. Most of you do, right? Even those of you who didn't raise your hand. Um, the reason we do is because he came. You know? He said he was in a coming. He said he was in a come 300 times. In the Old Testament, there are 300 prophecies that he was going to come, and he came. Do you know how many prophecies there are regarding his second coming? 1,500. So there were 300 of his first, and he came, and there are 1,500 of the second. Let me tell you, he's coming. And it's going to be Awesome. I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to go to heaven. No dental floss. No, no deodorant, man. I mean, I'm going to be about this tall. No, I'm just joking. No gray hair. Um, I'm going to fly. I mean, just so many things about heaven. In heaven, pizza will be good for you. Isn't that going to be awesome? <laughs> So many things about heaven. He's coming, he's coming. And so for us, when we're ready for the Lord, it's just such an awesome thought, you know? But if you're not, 
Don't freak out. Don't get bummed out. Just get ready. Or like, well, how do I get ready? Just come to him. Come as you are. Come with your addictions. Come with your struggles. Come with your pain. Come with your sorrows. Come with your even lack of uh, you know, in understanding. Just come to him. He died for you on the cross. He shed his blood. He rose again. He is the way we get to heaven. He is the way we're free and forgiven. You just come. There's nothing like this. There's no other religion in the world where God come down the mountain. They're all trying to make you climb a mountain. And so we, we want to come. We, we want to come and be ready for his return. You know, there are three eternally significant days to me. One is the rebirth of Israel, May 14th, 1948. You know, if you're ever wondering whether or not Bible prophecy is true, I'll tell you what, that's one of the most amazing ones. There's another significant day. Um, anybody here know what today is? Palm Sunday. They call it Palm Sunday. Now, the reason I didn't teach a Palm Sunday message is because I taught it like two weeks ago when I was going through Mark. And so, you know, but today's Palm Sunday. And in case you didn't know, what that day was, was the day that Jesus presented himself to Israel. You know that passage in Psalm 118, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It was all about that day, April 6, 32 AD, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, coming lowly, Zechariah 9.9, as a king, just saying, here I am. I love you. Do you accept me? It had been prophesied back in Daniel 9, 24 through 27. It says there'll be 79, there'll be 70 weeks, 69 seven-year periods, 173, 880 days from the going forth of the rebuilding of Jerusalem, which was March 14th, 445 BC. We know the day, it's etched in history. From that day, you just count 69 seven-year periods in the Jewish calendar, 173, 880 days from March 14th, 445 BC, and it brings you to April 6th, 32 AD, the day, the very day God predicted it, that he would come into Jerusalem. I mean, it's amazing how these days, March 14, 1948, April 6, 32 AD, those are two eternally significant days to me, but they would be nothing without August 20th, 1989. And some of you here probably weren't born yet, but that's the day that I got saved. That's the day where God got a hold of my heart and he changed me and he came in. Because someone had invited me to church and I went to church service and I heard the message and I realized that I needed Jesus and I needed to give him my heart. And that day I made that decision to follow God and he came in and he transformed me. And just in case you're here today and, and you haven't made that decision, I just pray that today would be your day. That today you would give your life to Christ. That today if you're a Christian, maybe struggling, that you would get back to where you belong and that we would worship God. Not just in song. I love to worship in song. It's awesome, huh? But that we would worship Him in life. He loves you. 
He loves you so much. We love him back.